So today we're going to be talking about femininity and masculinity, but kind of the opinions or changes that have happened throughout history through different generations. So what I looked into and researched was the kind of the feminist movement in the United States. So first wave um, up until the fourth wave. And I looked into this because a lot of the events that happened in the feminist movement kind of shaped the idea of femininity or popular femininity for the country. And so I was looking into the first wave and I basically when people talk about the first wave feminists, they think about the suffragettes and the 19th Amendment and fighting for the right to vote, which was pretty awesome. I mean, I would like to vote, so <laughs> I'm always thankful to the suffragettes. Um, and so there's basically their project or mission was kind of just, just, they started the conversation to get women on the same level as men. And when it goes to the femininity aspect, so the suffragettes were mostly white women, and there were, this is after, obviously, slavery was abolished, but there were still... Really quick, for those who don't know, who were some of those suffragettes? Who were some, like, specific names? Yeah. Well, you have, at least in Rochester, we all know about Susan B. Anthony. You also have Lucretia Mott and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, and they're really well known for the Seneca Falls Convention of, I think, 18, yeah, 1848, um, and that's when all the women came together in Seneca Falls, right up nearby where we are, and made their resolutions about the feminist movement and why it was occurring and why they wanted it and why they wanted rights and they wrote their sentiments. And then also Sojourner Truth is really well known for her Ain't I a Woman speech. And that's, that actually brings it back around to the femininity aspect because a lot of, it's great, like yes, all for women's rights, but one of the biggest problems of the suffragette movement was that a lot of the suffragettes were only focused on white women's rights. And so you have, for example, the, okay, so the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, and then the 15th Amendment gave black men in the United States the right to vote, theoretically. I mean, there were still a lot of obstacles, like Jim Crow laws, but legally, they were allowed to vote. And this, was a, this upset a lot of white suffragettes because I actually have a quote from a woman who was, actually, who was published, like I said, Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Lucretia Mott had their own newspaper and one of these, and they were white women, white suffragettes, and they published one woman in their newspaper and the quote is, if educated women are not as fit to decide who shall be the rulers of this country as field hands, then where's the use of culture or any brain at all? So that was a big problem because they, the suffragettes believed that white women should get the vote before black men and then obviously before black women. And so Sojourner Truth, who was a suffragette and who did fight for women's rights, in the, during this era, she was her ain't I a woman speech is really important because the f the argument against women getting the right to vote or getting equal rights as men is that they were they're too weak, they're too gentle, they don't have they're just not they shouldn't they need to be taken care of they shouldn't have any power or control of what's happening and so Journal Truth made the argument ain't I a woman but she was a slave and she did all of this she worked in the field she did all this really strenuous work that any man could do, and she did it. And so that was kind of 
the theory, that was one of the first times a theory of femininity and the fact that women are weak and docile and should just be taken care of and like can't step in puddles. That was the first time that was broken. So was Sojourner Truth working with the other suffragettes or was she kind of doing her own thing? I think it was a mixture okay. because she definitely, she was fighting for women's rights, but she was obviously fighting for black women's rights. Right, right. And a lot of the suffragettes were like, yeah, 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 okay. We're not going to worry uh, about that right now. Okay. So I went in a little bit of a different, different direction. I talked about masculinity and the generational things that occur within that. And one of the things that I found interesting was the comparison of old fatherhood versus new fatherhood. Mm. And old fatherhood was a father who was emotionally detached and was the breadwinner of the house. And that's all he did. He didn't express love. He was stoic. He was absent, you know, emotionally. Mm -hmm. Wasn't there for the children or the wife in the way that he should have been. So he took care of all the financial issues and he made sure like food was on the table and people had clothes on their backs. But that was basically all that was, that was always expected. Okay. Right. And then new fatherhood is what's, you know, starting to become more accepted and more popular mm -hmm. is men or fathers really being able to express more emotion, mm. you know, not just making the money, but you know, taking care of their kids, doing things with them, you know, interacting with them, showing that they love them mm. and staying because, mm -hmm. you know, that's a big part of that, too. Um, we're still not there emotionally, emotionally sometimes because, mm -hmm. you know, there are some families where, you know, the father is either literally not there or mm -hmm. still has like traces of old fatherhood yeah but in general the new fatherhood idea is becoming way more accepted and way more popular and i think that kind of like the old fatherhood versus new fatherhood ties into just the idea of masculinity changing in general right. because now people are saying well boys don't cry yeah yeah they, yeah they do and also they can mm -hmm. it's okay and so the idea that men can show emotion at all is bleeding into the fact that fathers can and should because you get a better relationship with your kids. Right. And especially like with the father-son relationship, a lot of sons sons usually get their ideas of masculinity from their fathers. Yeah. And you know, starting with that, they, you know, what is masculinity? They they kind of look to the dad as an example or their 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 male guardian. Yeah. As someone, you know, like the father figure. Right. Um, but what I also found interesting is that men oftentimes like they don't want to be like their father. Mm -hmm. So it's like that, that whole idea I think is making masculinity more like ha making it evolve more. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that that was, it makes sense. Yeah. But I just thought that that was interesting because I think that's where a lot of the growth comes from. Yeah. No, that makes sense. But, yeah. And so maybe the idea of masculinity, it's not as straight and narrow 
as it used to be like there's more room mm-hmm. to be masculine and like what it means to be masculine right um one of the other things i also found within my research is how much homophobia plays a factor mm. in masculinity yeah it's actually like a really it's really twisted in there <laughs> um so from what I've seen, what I've researched, and from what I've heard from other people, if you are a straight male, the worst thing you can be is a woman. Like, any aspect of a woman. Mm-hmm. So, any aspect of femininity. Right. Because they're supposed to be, you know, seen as opposites. And, like, weak. Right. Mm-hmm. And everything that a man is, like, the opposite of what a woman yeah. is, according to... Yeah. Past, you know, definitions and stuff. And so as kids are growing up, you know, that homophobia, like you don't want to be seen like a woman. You can't Mm -hmm. do this. You can't wear this. You can't act like this. And if they if they don't do what the traditional male like stereotype is and they are like called out for it, then they'll go out of their way to do really masculine things so like they'll kind of put on themselves their own hyper masculinity and do things overly masculine like super aggressive things yes in order to assert their regular masculinity yeah that makes sense and also just when we're because you're talking about homophobia mixed in with men being perceived as women it's because the stereotype of gay men is that they're super feminine and stuff like that. Right. Even though not all gay men are, and some are, but that's not. The thing with femininity and masculinity is that it was all created by society. There's nothing biological that says boys should like blue and girls should like pink, or that boys should like cars and girls should like dolls. That's not a thing. And there's also the idea that the world isn't just split up into men and women. It's split up. There's gender as a spectrum, like we talked about in our last episode. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that a group of people is isolated into these stereotypes is just ridiculous because we're not, everybody has different aspects of both feminine and masculine traits. And it doesn't, just because it's a feminine trait doesn't mean that it's a f- trait for women. Right. And it's I would even go so far as to say that. I don't think traits have are feminine or masculine. Mm-hmm. I think traits are just traits and then you know, you just have them. Yeah. There shouldn't be a okay, if you're nice, that's a feminine trait. Yeah. Like that that's mm-hmm. a weird example, but that No, no, make shouldn't have. That's a good example. It's just you're nice. Yeah. Whether or not wh- wherever you are on the gender spectrum. Yeah. Well, cuz like you have with men are perceived as more aggressive so not nice and women are perceived as more docile or submissive which would be kinder yeah and it's just people i think it's just i don't i don't know why because obviously the idea of masculinity and femininity was created long before we ever existed Mm -hmm. but it's just it's just people putting traits into boxes it doesn't mean anything it's just it's all made up right and when you were talking about the evolution of old fatherhood to new fatherhood is yes. that what it's called yes. that also that made me think of the evolution of femininity because you have like i talked about the suffragettes and that all that history and jazz but also you have for example in the second wave of feminine feminism 
which was during the ni- it was 1963 to about the 1980s. That's when women started fighting for because they already had the vote. They started for fighting for getting out of the home and getting out of just being housewives or and mothers. Obviously, both are told they're valid choices, but right. those were the only choices that women were provided. Mm-hmm. And so, in one of the ways that they fought against that is the women in the second wave, second wave feminists figured out that they would be taken more seriously if they dressed more masculine. Hmm. So they would be wearing suits and ties. And that's how, and that was honestly, that was also one of the first crosses over between the two sides of masculine and feminine is that women started having more masculine traits because that's how they, because they, pers- they noticed that they were taken more seriously when they acted more, when they at least dressed more male. Okay. Yeah. And then, but also, when you go to the third wave of feminism, it was about during the 90s, and women started reverting back to, not reverting, but going back to stereotypical femininity. So they started wearing dresses and makeup again in the workplace because their point was, we don't have to dress like men to be taken seriously. Like, we can be feminine while also... Getting a job Getting Yeah, and being capable. Femininity and capability are not mutually exclusive. So that was one of the things I noticed in the evolutions. And now I think for both masculinity and femininity and everything's changing and is the boxes are becoming, the lines are becoming more blurred and people are trying to break out of those boxes more and more, which is great. Mm -hmm. Change, awesome. People not feeling like they have to be isolated and one or the other is super awesome. I think it's great. I think so too. And it's just, it's, it's good to kind of grow up in that era to see mm-hmm. that there can be so many dips, different types of people yeah. and so many, you know, wherever you are, whether you're super masculine or super feminine, or if you're not feeling like either one of those, yeah. you know, wherever you are, like, again, it doesn't matter. It's starting to become more, like you said, the lines are blurred and people are more accepting of the lines being blurred. Yeah. And, things are really changing so one of the things i wanted to add that applies mostly to masculinity is that all men gain from patriarchy in some type of way Mm -hmm. but not all of them gain equally yeah that's not a good point and so you have masculinity which is already above like it's already hierarchically that's not a word above femininity but then within that there is a hierarchy with (laughs) um uh with different men yeah and white men are at the top of that Mm -hmm. because racism right so and and rich men are at the top of that yes so when you you add those levels of class and race, it really makes masculinity and femininity more divisive. Mm-hmm. And it's harder to kind of work together towards one thing when there's so many groups within that one thing. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to figure out, okay, where are we going? Like, what direction is this? Yeah. So. Well, that, because that was one of the problems, even like, especially, not especially now, but even now, when people are talking about being so open and welcoming, um, is that in any movement, somebody tends to get left behind. So right. people don't, 
in any structure in any system we're not all the same and all of these societal boxes like race gender wages all of those they're all they all intersect and you can't for you can't deal with one without the other you can't try to fix the patriarchy smash the patriarchy without acknowledging so people okay acknowledge women's rights awesome great women have there are issues with that but you can't you can't say that all women experience oppression from the patriarchy the same way because there's race there's lgbtq plus women and so all of those all of these issues intersect and they all play a role yeah and it's just interesting how they they all work together and not necessarily in a good way Mm. but it's just uh they work together and they make sometimes it it gets hard to figure out okay how are we going to do this how are we going to like you said, beat the patriarchy Smash or something. Patriarchy. Something <laughs> like how are we going to um, make the necessary changes? Yeah, to help everyone and not just because great women's rights awesome. But if you're leaving black women behind, if you're leaving gay women behind, if you're leaving trans women behind, if you're leaving poor women behind, and that's you're actually very you're helping a very small number of people. Right. And one of the things I just thought of this because when you're talking about old versus new fatherhood and masculinity expectations i remember having a conversation with my dad because i saw something online and it talked about how people tend to say so if a wife goes out or and a mother a wife and a mother goes out and then the dad stays home with the kid people always talk about oh daddy's babysitting tonight that's nice of him and no he's not babysitting he's parenting because he's a father <laughs> and so you can see that as annoyance from the woman's point of view like no i'm there is not a i'm not the only parent here like he has the exact same responsibility as i do but mm-hmm. i remember talking to my dad about it and it made him annoyed because you're kind of invalidating the father's role in the kid's life too because you're saying you're saying he's not a parent so you're putting more pressure on the mother and by saying he's a babysitter and not a parent you're discrediting his role in the child's life right and that was one thing i thought about when we're talking about because people think taking care of children and stuff like that is a feminine motherly role but it's not you should when you have the op when you have the option of two parents it should be mutual and they should both have the opportunity and the responsibility to be a part of the kid's life in equal with equal weight very well said and definitely like in that uh example that situation negatively impacted like the femininity Mm -hmm. and masculinity and I mean, not in the same way, but definitely, like, for the fathers who, they're not babysitters. Like you're saying, they are just as much of a parent as the mother. And so to go so far and say, is there a babysitter? Like Mm -hmm. you said, it's just, like, it's devaluing their character. And they're making men seem like they can't have that kind of responsibility. It's, like, part of masculinity. It's like, oh, Yeah. yeah, they shouldn't even be. Yeah, like, no, that's not their job. That's not, they're not, they're not made to do that. And that's one of the things when I'm thinking about my personal capstone of how sexism affects everyone, like it doesn't just negatively affect women. It affects the mother in that situation negatively because she's, the idea is that she's the only one that should be taking care of the kid, but it also negatively affects the dad because his, like you were saying, his character is kind of discredited and he's being told like no but that's not your job that's not what you're supposed to be doing is taking care of the kid because that's what the mother does that's feminine and that's really sad 
for ma- like the idea of masculinity that you shouldn't be taking yeah. care of your kid because that's like the whole point of having kids. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that was that. Thank um, you for listening so yes, much. Thank you. Uh, next time we'll be talking about race and how that plays a role in femininity and masculinity and how both of them overlap each and other. intersect yeah, yeah.